Laura was a naive girl, but not a stupid one. She was fuzzily aware of certain extraordinary emotions that were generally frowned upon, and so she frowned upon them too, with no very good notion of what they were or how they happened, and not the remotest thought that they could happen to her. She knew that there were some men who loved men, and some women who loved women, and she thought it was a shame that they couldn't be like other people. She thought she would simply feel sorry for them and avoid them. That would be easy, for the men were great sissies and the women wore pants. Her own high school crushes had been on girls, but they were all short and uncertain and secret feelings, and she would have been profoundly shocked to hear them called homosexual. It would never have entered her mind to doubt that Beth was solidly normal, because Laura thought that she herself was perfectly normal and she wasn't attracted to men. She thought simply that men were unnecessary to her. That wasn't unusual. Lots of women live without men. What Laura would never know, and Beth would never tell her, was the real reason she had given up seeing men. Beth had, over and above most people, a strongly affectionate nature, a strong curiosity, and a strong experimental bent. She would give anything a first try, and morality didn't bother her. Her own was mainly a comfortable hedonism. What she wanted, she went after. At the time she met Laura, she wanted to be loved more than anything else. Beth had always wanted to be loved. She wanted to feel, not to dream. To know, not to wonder. She started as a little girl, trying to win her aunt and uncle in her search for love. Loving them was like trying to love a foam rubber pillow. They allowed themselves to be squeezed, but they popped right back into shape when they were released. Unknowingly, her aunt and uncle had started Beth on a long, anxious search for love. When she couldn't find it with them, she turned to others, and when she grew up, she turned to men. It was the natural thing to do. It was inevitable. For Beth grew up to be a very pretty girl. And when she began looking for a man to satisfy her, she found more than one always willing to try. But none of them made it. First, there was George, when she was still in high school. She was just fifteen, and George was a Princeton man in his twenties. Beth liked them older, and the older ones liked her. George fell very much in love with her. He was fun. He had been places. He could take her out and show her a good time— and he adored her. Her word was law. Beth administered the law for two years. The time began to drag interminably toward the end of the second year. George smothered her with love, and she began to doubt and to despise herself for not returning his passion. Here was real love, what she had always craved to make her life complete and meaningful, and what did it give her? A headache. George bored her. It was in this mood that she gave herself to George. She was 17. George, on his knees, had implored her not to go to college, to stay at home and marry him and make him the happiest man in the world. She said, No, George, I can't. And he said, Why? Because I don't love you. Her heart rose in her throat, in fear and pity, fear for herself and pity for George. George wept. He wept very eloquently. I'll kill myself, he murmured in a misery so genuine that she began to fear for him too.
Oh, no, you mustn't. You can't, she said. Here, George, come here, George. She called him like a faithful spaniel, and he came and let himself be petted. And very shortly he felt a sort of dismal passion rising in him with his self-pity. He began to sweat. Beth, he said her name fiercely. Look at me. Look what you've done to me.